What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great. Hope you're having a wonderful day. For those of you online worshiping with us, we're so glad that you're connecting with us. Because it's amazing for us as a church to be able to worship together in person, to worship together online, and, and be connected. It's extremely important. Connection and relationships is one of our core values as a church. And I just I wanted to share with you another core value that we have here at Grace Church is serving. You know, serving is extremely important. It's, it's actually part of our calling as, as Christians that we're to serve each other in the church. We're to serve uh, those in the community. And, and so one of the th- opportunities we have for you to serve is on our dream team. Uh, we have several different teams that, that serve uh, throughout, the, throughout the week and, and certainly on Sunday during our worship services. And so we just want to invite you to check that out. If, if you're not involved in the dream team, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, that's part of our team, part of our core values, what we do, how we honor the Lord, how we serve each other. And so there's a number of different ways for you to serve. Uh, if you're an extrovert, you know, we can have you do extrovert type things. If you're an introvert or you're more techie, we, we have lots of behind the scenes for you. Uh, if you love kids, we can you know, put you in a place there. If, if you just want to, if you have a heart to do anything, you know, we have multiple spots where we can plug you in right now. Uh, we would love to have you sign up. You can sign up at the Connection Center or you can go to gracechurch.life and click join the team. I would love to have you do that. And then I know it, the, the comment was made about the random acts of kindness. I started yesterday. Uh, I have a friend of mine who, who lost her mom uh, recently, and so I know uh, there were some things that she needed around her house, and so I went and I, I pressure washed. I spent a few hours pressure washing her back patio and cleaning things up for her. Uh, she's out of town for the funeral, and, and so I just was like, man, it would be cool. You know, really cool to just love on her and encourage her and just bless her. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Like, that's, that's not something that we're just saying out loud for you to do. Uh, we live that. That's who I am. That's who we are as a, as a staff, as a lead team. Uh, that's how we live. And so we want you this week to be serving the community because now more than ever, people in the community are, are thinking about Easter. They're thinking about Jesus. Uh, it's going to be a big time. It's Holy Week. You know, and today we celebrate the triumphant entry uh, and, and, and the, this being Palm Sunday. Uh, and so one of the things that's really neat how this series worked out for us, uh, is, and you'll see towards the end of my message how it all correlates and lines up, because we're in a series right now, and we're wrapping it up today on end times. Uh, we're calling it the return of the king, and so it just is so neat how Jesus is king, and he comes into Jerusalem you know, on, on, in the, on Palm Sunday, and at, at some point in time, he, there will be a second coming. He will return again, which is amazing, and so we're so excited about that. And, you know, anytime I talk to people about end times, they always are curious. Uh, maybe you're here today, you're, you're new to Grace Church, or you heard we were talking about end times, and, and, or you're watching online because you just want to know. Uh, you want to learn more about end times. Uh, people will say that, but then they'll also say, but it's really confusing. And I get that. I totally understand. And, and so there's imagery in there. You know, in Scripture, there's, there's beasts and dragons, and what does it all mean? But the thing about that is, is when we read some of those things and those items and, and those figures, it, it, it's confusing to us. Uh, to, to a certain level where it's just not part of our life sometimes, so it seems confusing. But here's the deal. It wasn't confusing for the first century Christians. Uh, for, for those that were Jews and, and Gentiles that, that began to follow after Christ, you know, talking about dragons and beasts, like they got it. They totally understood. Let me give you just a simple example. If, if we were in the first century and, and, I, and I pulled up these cartoons, like these are modern cartoons, and if I said, hey, you know, look at these two, you know what they are? A first, first century Christian would go, no, and why is that man wearing his underwear on the outside of his pants? I don't know. Like, why is his cape red? I don't know. 
Like, that's a fat cat. So what? Who cares? Like, that would not make sense to them at all. But you and I, that totally makes sense. We love those two people. I don't know if the cat's a person. But anyways, we, we, we look at him as a person, don't we? We love them. And so that would be confusing to them. And so it, we totally get it. We understand how some of the, the, the imagery and the analogies and, and descriptions that are in the end times story can be confusing to us. But I want to tell you, we can understand them. And so we've got to do that. We've got to understand what that is. And so today I'm going to be focusing on several different aspects of the return of the king, one of the big ones that you know, is, I'm passionate about is the church's role. We have a role in end times. We've got to understand that and live into that. I am going to talk about the rapture today. I'm going to talk some about tribulation, but ultimately the return of the king, the return of Jesus. And so with, before I get launching into this message, though, I do want to encourage you. you know, I want to encourage you to do study on your own. You know, I, I love being your pastor. I love preaching and, and diving into God's word with you. But there's so much to God's word, so much to scripture. You've got to be reading it on your own because it's easy for us to get deceived if we don't know and understand uh, what we're reading. And so we need to study on our own. And, and you've done this your whole life. Some of you, you're, you're certified to do CPR, which I'm so glad. If I were to fall over, hopefully you would come running up and you would help me out. You know, and resuscitate me. If you, if, you're, if you do calculus, like you studied calculus, if, if you know programming in Windows, you, you took some type of class, some type of training, right? You studied and learned and, and, and figured out how to do that. And I would say the same thing is with end times. We need to be studying and learning and, and diving into God's word so that we can understand. And so that's my first point is that we've got to follow God's word not culture. And, and I want to read for you Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 10. It says, one of the, the characteristics about end times and knowing God's words is that many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so there's, there's a lot of many's in there, isn't there? Uh, like things that, that are happening, and, and we look at, at the, the global scene right now, and, and many of those things, if not all of them, have taken place already. And one of the things that's really been tragic over this last year is about 30 to 40% of the church globally, in Grace Church, in our nation, globally, have literally left have left churches, have left communities, have left being part of the body of Christ. And, and that's tragic, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's amazing to think about. And so, you know, gosh, Bible scholars and, 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 you know, people that study eschatology, they look at this last year as a major dip and decline in fulfillment of, this, of these passages that I just read, you know, where, where people are disconnecting themselves from church. And so it just is so easy for us to be persuaded. Now, I understand, you know, the pandemic and masks and being safe. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about our reliance on Christ, our connection to the body of Christ, our connection that we need with our Heavenly Father. Literally, people have walked away from their faith because sin and, and, and culture and, and things are rampant and persuasive and and man, it, we just, we can't allow culture to persuade us in a negative way. And so, you know, when, when sometimes like I'll talk with people and I'll hear things and they'll, they'll say things and maybe you've thought this as well. It's like, well, 
you know, I know what the Bible says, but, you know, when it comes to that one thing, you know, uh, sometimes people say, well, I know what the Bible says about sexual sin, but, you know, I still, uh, you know, in my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be involved in that. Or, well, you know, I know what the Bible says about giving and finances, but, you know, I believe, and then what happens is, we, 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 read, we read scripture, but then we just develop our own beliefs on what we want based on culture or influence or something we read somewhere. And sometimes, you know, some of those are wrong and inappropriate. And we've got to understand that. And so sometimes we develop our own set of moral standards to justify our decisions. I mean, do you ever think that maybe just maybe culture could be wrong? Do, do you ever think about that? I mean, have you ever adopted or adjusted a personal belief to justify a decision that you've made? I know I have. Plenty of times I'm like, well, you know, it'll be okay. You know, and we justify our decisions all the time. And so just it's very clear that we have got to live by the truth, the truth of God's word. And his word does not change. He remains constant and true and forever, and it will last. So it's important. It's so important for us to follow God's word, to follow Christ's example, because we live in an ungodly world, in an ungodly culture, but we are called to stand firm, stand firm on the truth of God's word. The next thing that I want to touch on is vitally important. Uh, This is extremely important when when it comes to the return of the king, and and the second thing is the rise of the Antichrist. This is a pivotal uh, fact that must take place in order for Christ to come again, because we find it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Verse 3, it says, Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, and the man, who is the Antichrist, of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God, and every object of worship, He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. And so this has to take place. This is a big thing. And so here's one of the things. You know, often at times when we we think about the Antichrist, uh, we we think that he's going to be mean and and harsh. Here's the deal. Uh, He is not going to look like the devil. Uh, He is going to be smooth. He is going to be like, you know, just very, very persuasive and how he goes about things, he's going to be very likable. You know, up front, people are going to like him. He's going to seem just have incredible wisdom. He's going to be very influential, not only in the the country that he comes from, but globally. This is a global scale of influence, and he's going to unify the world. Uh, so, So we've got to understand, you know, the Antichrist and his role. So at first, he's going to bring incredible amounts of peace. It's going to seem amazing the things that he's doing, but as, just, as these verses say, there's, there's peace, but then there's destruction. The destruction comes and takes place, and, and so he's going to have great power for a little while, and we've got to recognize this. So often in our lives, short periods of time seem like they're taking forever because we're impatient, so it's going to be a short period of time, but in the end, he will lose. He loses. You know, it, it's, it's inevitable. There's so many prophecies that confirm this. He will rise to power, but then we'll, we'll, we'll fall by the wayside. And so we have to recognize and be able to see and understand the rise of this man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. And so here's another insight that I want to share with you. And it's the, the, the aspect of the rapture. 
Uh, and so I just want to be up front and say that the word rapture is actually not in Scripture. Uh, what, this is a word that we have adopted into our English language and, and, and put in Scripture to give description to something that we didn't have words to describe. And so we'll read the verses in a minute, but it's, it's, it's this phrase that says, caught up in the sky or caught up in the clouds. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, is that levitation? Is that Superman flying? Like, what does that look? So, so we've adopted this term, you know, just rapture. And so everyone, like all Bible scholars and pastors and, and Christians, if, if you read in times, and you, like we all understand that this will happen, you know, being caught up in the clouds. We'll, we'll read it in scripture. And there's no doubt about that. But there is a significant debate on when that will take place in the end times timeline. And so uh, will we be taken up prior to the tribulation, in the middle of it, or at the end? And, and here's the thing that's very interesting. There are very, very well-educated people, like doctorate degrees in theology and eschatology, and they don't agree. And so it's really interesting to talk about. So this is a major Christian debate. And so nobody can say definitively, it's this or it's that, because there are scripture that, that are used to, to talk about both. And so I want to I dive into those and, and, and digest them and talk through them just a little bit uh, so we can understand a little bit more. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 16, it says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, first... The believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds. There's that rapture. The caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. And so, you know, when, when you look at this, there's, there's several things happening. One, those who have passed you know, they will rise up to eternal life. And the thing that is so very cool is, you know, we're just, we're in Holy Week, Easter's coming, and this is just the same way, same thing that happened to Jesus. You know, he died on the cross, was buried, and he comes back to life and is risen again. And so that, that's exactly what this is talking about. And so they're not zombies. Uh, like, this isn't, you know, a, a weird thing, but this is, this is people who have passed, who, who now will receive their, their perfect heavenly body. You know, and that's an amazing thing that's talked about and something we love uh, and, and look forward to. And so in these verses, uh, you know, Bible scholars will take and, and break them down. And so I'm going to talk about a couple of different aspects and beliefs regarding this debate about the rapture. And so the first is a, a pre-tribulation rapture, which what that means is that those who are in Christ will be taken up prior to the events uh, and, and the wrath of God and the tribulation. And we'll get into the tribulation in just a minute. That's actually my point four, but let me get through point three first. And so the pre-tribulation raptures, before all uh, uh, the, the seals are broken and, and the scrolls and, and before the wrath of God comes and there's devastation. You know, it, we, we read it uh, last week and talked about it. And, and so most movies and books actually depict this type of belief where, you know, it's, it's Christians all, all of a sudden disappear. You know, the, the earth is going on, and then all of a sudden, you know, their clothes are on the ground and folded, and, and there's no Christians. You know, they've all been taken up and, and raptured, and so that's a pre-tribulation rapture. There is also a mid-tribulation belief uh, where what happens is you have the three and a half years of peace 
that the Antichrist brings. And then in the middle, uh, before the, the, the outpouring of God and the destruction takes place, Christians are taken up uh, before all those terrors come. Now, I want to say very clearly that the pre-tribulation rapture is very popular here in America. Okay, And, and I want to be very specific in America. It is not like a super popular global belief. You know, I've been to other countries. I've talked to other pastors in other countries. And, and so it's, it's a little bit more of an American thing. And so I just, I want to share some of my perspective. And I want to admit, you know, up front, uh, part of this is my opinion, you know, how I read scripture, how I look at things. But I don't mind sharing it, you know, and I don't mind being wrong if I'm wrong. And that's okay. Uh, so here's the deal. So because, you know, if we're honest, we want to be taken up prior to all hell breaking loose. I mean, let's be honest. I, we, we want that. Like, that's, that sounds like a good thing. It's like, why in the world would I want to go through all this difficulty? I mean, who wouldn't? You know, and the mid-tribulation rapture is the same way. It's like, hey, take me out. Get, get me out of here before all these bad things happen. And, but I, as you look at history and the study of Scripture, it is very much more of a modern belief. You know, when you go back and, and you read when this the pre-tribulation understanding began to come to the table, it was more of a 19th century type belief, and so it is a little bit more modern. So to me, it could be part of our desire how we seek out security, uh, how we long to, to be safe. We want to be safe. You know, for us as Americans, we feel like we should have comfort. You know, there should be things in our life that, that give us comfort and make us feel comfortable. We even, in fact, feel that we deserve to be comfortable in our life. So, of which, uh, God does not promise security. Uh, he, he does promise that we can have spiritual comfort, you know, that we have forgiveness of sin and we have grace and we have redemption because of Christ, but never physical comfort. That's never promised uh, in Scripture. In fact, in Scripture, it's actually quite the opposite, that we can actually expect difficulties in this life. So that's the pre-tribulation and mid-tribulation. And, and so then you have the post-tribulation rapture mindset. And what this is, is those that believe that we actually are present here on the earth uh, before taking up into the clouds uh, during the entire tribulation. Uh, and, and so what happens is that we will be here during this extreme persecution, disasters, famines, martyrdom, even as it, incur, even as it occurs in the world today, that that will be experienced in a post-tribulation mindset. So there's extreme persecution against the church. But then when you read scripture, and even when you see it now, there's also this aspect of supernatural protection from God's wrath. In fact, you know, we, we just, we came across Passover just the other day, you know, much like the Hebrews were protected in Egypt, and the angel of death passes over as long as they put the blood of the sacrificed lamb on their doorpost. The angel of death passed over, so the firstborn, you know, lived. And, and now, you know, we, we celebrate Passover as remembrance of those ten plagues that the Hebrews experienced while they were in Egypt. And so here's what we've got to understand. You know, in a post-tribulation mindset, we have got to remain firm, whether we're protected or not. Uh, that, that, that's, that's what's challenging to say and to say it out loud. Whether we face the possibility of death and persecution or not, the Lord calls us to stand firm until the end. And so to me, I would say very clearly, I would say be prepared for the worst. 
but be ready for anything, like anything that might happen. To me, it's like prepare for the worst because if you're thinking that you're going to get snatched up and escape everything and it doesn't quite work that way, the way that you expected, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. So if we're taken up prior to the tribulation, we've got nothing to worry about, nothing at all to worry about. But if we're not, we're going to face some extremely difficult circumstances in this life. But here's what we've got to understand. God will see us through. Do you believe that? Like, do you actually believe that God can oversee and be in the midst of all of our difficult circumstances, whether it's right now, whatever circumstance you're in, or whether it's, you know, when the end times come. And so knowing exactly when this, you know, Christ returns and comes back is not as important. We actually can't know. Even Jesus says himself that he doesn't know the day or the hour. So we're trying to debate and discuss something that even Jesus didn't know. Okay, so To me, knowing when is not as important as the fact that it will. Like, this will happen. And so we're to encourage each other. And so to me, I would say, I hope that it's a pre-tribulation rapture. But if it's not, we've got to be prepared for persecution and difficulties and struggle here in our community, in our nation, and certainly globally and elsewhere. I hope that's okay for me to say. I hope, okay. hope it's okay for me to communicate that uh, with you. If you want to send me a strong-worded email, that's just fine. I've got a quick delete button uh, that I can send it to. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, but So that's number three, you know, the, the idea and the understanding and end times, you know, and the return of the king and the rapture. So the fourth thing is the tribulation, and I, don't, I want to talk about this a little bit more. So after the Antichrist commits what scripture calls the abomination that causes desolation. That, we read it already in those verses where, where the Antichrist puts himself in the temple not to worship God, but to say, I am God, and to be worshiped. And, th- and this has happened you know, in, in past history all the time. You know, When you look at Persia, they saw their king as deity. When you look at Egypt, Pharaoh was considered a god. And so this is not foreign to history or to other nations at all whatsoever. So he's going to declare himself to be God and will be worshipped. So then you have, when that takes place, you have the three and a half years of destruction where there's worldwide hardships, disasters, famine, war, pain, suffering before the second coming of Christ can take place. And if you're interested in more of these, and uh, I would encourage you to read Revelations chapter 6 through 19 talks about the description, destruction, the scrolls, the trumpets, and all the things that will be unfolded and, and, and revealed during that period of time. And so you have the Antichrist, you have the false prophet, and they are leading during this time. And they're leading with significant influence. And we have to understand something. It's vitally important. They are leading under the influence of Satan and with his power. Okay? But... It's only for a period of time. We've got to remember this. It's only for a limited period of time. Because then you have number five, which is the return of Christ. And so this is the amazing part. This is wonderful. This is joyous. This is an incredible occasion that takes place. So then you get to Revelation 19, when all the destruction is done. And, and so in verse 11, this is, this is the, uh, the apostle John writing. He says, then I saw, I saw heaven open. And a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. 
for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. On his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release a fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And so this is so very cool. This is amazing. We get to celebrate this. And so what this is, is this is those who are in Christ get to ride in with him for the battle of Armageddon, uh, where Christ comes in and he sweeps through. You know, we actually don't do so much. Uh, He doesn't need our help. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Uh, He can handle things on our own and, and declares, you know, all authority. And so it's so very cool because Christ gets the ultimate victory. And so today, you know, we celebrate the triumphant entry in Palm Sunday. And, and so people were throwing down their coats and they were throwing down branches in the street as they would do when a king was coming back to the city. And so this is neat how they're doing this with Jesus. And what was going on, though, is they wanted to crown Jesus as king of the Jews and have him take political rule and to rule on here on the earth. And he's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I'm about That's not who I am. That's not why I'm here. That's why they got so upset. That's why they turned on him. They're going, if anybody's going to set us free from Roman rule, it's you. We saw the the blind see. We saw the dead get raised back to life. In fact, I knew Lazarus. I was at his funeral. And then I said hi to him afterwards. I went to the party after you rose him from the dead. If anybody's going to do this, it's you. And Jesus is going, you don't get it. Like, you don't get this at all. So in order to fulfill prophecy, you know, Jesus rides in on a colt, and the people celebrated him. But gosh, you know, they turned on him so quickly when it didn't seem that he was doing what they wanted him to do. It didn't seem that the outcome was what they had expected. But when, when when you think about the second coming of Christ... I mean, I don't know about you, but I have this great amount of anticipation. It actually makes me excited inside. It it just, just in my spirit, just resounds with this. The fact that Jesus returns, not on a colt, but on a stallion, like it just is amazing to think about. Like, and and so I just, I love the imagery that's even given in these verses, because it talks about his robe being dipped in blood. It's like, whoa, like that's gross. Why, Why would he do that? And so it's proof. It's proof that he's the lamb. He's the lamb that was slain. And the blood that that he shed for the forgiveness of of our sins remains. Remains on the robe. It's so symbolic. And we need that. Without that, we don't have forgiveness. We don't have grace. And so he's the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And obviously the result of us getting uh, eternal life. And so because he was beaten, because because he bled, because he died and rose again, he will return as king. And so at this point in time, like if you would join me like and just celebrate and honor him. Like thank you Jesus that you will return. The return of the king is amazing and so celebrated. I would even say it's the highest anticipated event in all of history. People look forward to it, you and I, and it's going to be incredible, a total game changer. 
you know, br- bringing heaven back to earth. And so for me, like as your pastor, when is this going to take place? I have no idea, and neither do you. How? There's, there is some uncertainty, so there's some discussion, you know, regarding how all these events will take place and happen. But here's the deal. They will take place. And so here's my encouragement as your pastor, because I love you so much. What do we do? That's point six. I, I, I haven't preached this sermon with six points in a long time. Here's number six. What do we do? Like, we have a role I mean, we have, we have to make the most of our opportunities now. Nobody knows the day or the hour, not only when Christ will come, but when our life is over. And so we've got it so good. If you look at our life, we've got it so good, but life is not about this life. We've got to be focused on where we go next and where we're headed and be ready for Christ's return. And so to me, what that means is we're removing things. In this life that trip us up, we've got to remove them. It's so important. And so if we've got to live a disciplined life, live self-controlled, live according to God's word, and most of all, reach people for Jesus, please do that. I mean, now more than ever, just helping them understand that we are all sinful. We need a savior. And, And so we've got to be serious about this life that we lead and how we live it, the decisions that we make, how we go about it, the light that, that's shown in the darkness. And so we can't be lukewarm. We cannot be apathetic as a church. But we, we, can, we have, have to understand that there is a world out there and they are persuaded by darkness and culture. And, and so for us, like we've got to be different. We can't be worldly church attenders. Like, we can't be cultural Christians. That's, that's not okay anymore because the good news of Jesus gives us salvation that we need and long for and desire. And so Jesus is coming back, no doubt about it, the return of the king. And so we should be making a difference. Are you willing to make a difference in the sphere of influence that God has given you? Are you willing to make a difference in their life? You know, one of the phrases that we've talked about here at Grace Church is uh, just quite simply, we call it the circle of five where hopefully you have five people in your life that you have influence over that either don't yet know Christ or maybe they're not connected with Christ right now. Maybe they were before when they were younger and they kind of have gone astray and you're praying for them. I hope you've got at least five. We wanted to make it easy for you. I hope you've got 10 because we should be making a difference in their lives because we've got to live with a purpose to fulfill God's calling in our life and I would even dare say that you and I, if Christ were to come back in his second coming in our time, how special is that? That's amazing. Now, I do, in fact, believe that every single generation since the first generation believed that they were the generation that was going to see the second coming of Christ. And I, ours is no different. You know, when you look at culture, when you look at the prophecies, when you look at what's going on, you go, oh, man, Jesus is coming back soon. And he might. How special is that for us? How then very, very essential are you and I in this timeline that God has where we're living out our faith and making a difference? One of the things that's even incredible, you know, you you find this in the story of Esther where she, she said, for such a time as this, was she placed in position to help redeem the Jews and get protection, you know, from destruction. What if you and I adopted that same type of mindset? For such a time as this, you and I are called 
to help people not experience the destruction for eternal death. That's the, what's most important. It's eternity. Where are we spending eternity? Where are they spending eternity? And so to me, let's live like we know Jesus is coming back. Like he's coming back today. Maybe tomorrow. Let's live and, and be such an influence on the people around us that we make such a difference. Like how amazing would that be? And so I just want to encourage you, go ahead and stand up right now. Let me pray a blessing over us as a church. What if the church rose up and made a difference in our community more now than ever before in the people? So I just want to ask that the Holy Spirit would come on us in such a powerful way. So I just ask that you would be, be a recipient right now of what God has for you. So Lord God, we come before you. And Jesus, we see you. We see you on your throne we see your crown of glory. We see your white robe and the gold sash and, 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 and the blood that's there. We, and Lord, we're amazed. It just is so incredible. And Father, we haven't been taken back yet. Like you haven't come back. You, Jesus, you haven't returned just yet. So we know the stallion's still in the stable. And so Lord God, would you empower us with your Holy Spirit? Pour out on us. Fill us up that we would just be bubbling and overflowing with your living water, that it would be inside of us, and God, that we would just be, this would just be so evident in our lives that we would be spilling out on others, just splashing on people around us. Lord, that being around us and being in our life would be like a wet zone. Lord, the people, the influence that you give to us more now than ever before for your glory, for your kingdom, for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, would you pour out on us, allow us to be that, that we would live for you, bring glory and honor for you and your return. In your name we pray, amen.